Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. What's up, everybody? My name is Aaron DeLong. I'm the lead pastor here. I want to say thank you so much for being with us today here at Simple Church. We are starting a brand new series today called It's Complicated. Before we jump into that, though, I want to take just a moment and say thank you so much for all of your uh, prayers and for all those of you that reached out either to um, myself directly or to my wife or to our team to check on me this past couple of weeks. I'm on day 16 of having had COVID and uh, I feel so much better. Uh, unfortunately, my wife uh, got uh, is now tested positive with COVID. Uh, and so we are working through that in our house. But uh, so continue to lift us up as I recover and as she uh, works through it. Uh, but we are doing well. And again, thank you so much for praying for us. Well, it's that time of year where um, every year we, we take uh, the opportunity to tackle the subject of relationships. And that's what we're going to do over the next four or five weeks. We're going to tackle the subject of relationships. And what's really cool is, uh, specifically about relationships, is that relationships can take on a lot of definitions, right? Like we talk about uh, just in our relationships with each other, you know, we're, we're single, or we can take on a definition of being, uh, we're, we're not single, but we're dating, or uh, we're engaged, or we want to be married, or we're married, or we're married and we want to be singled, or we're the next thing after we identify that we're married and want to be singled, we're widowed, <laughs> or uh, even possibly divorced. Like, but one of the most interesting definitions for a relationship is one that Facebook introduced, and it's one that, that I've seen throughout the years, and it always leaves me scratching my head and wondering, what does that mean? But it's, like, it's the one where they, they identify themselves and say, I'm in a relationship, and it's complicated. And that leaves me with questions like, is there some juicy drama behind that? Like, what exactly is going on there? And then, of course, I, I backpedal away from it because I don't need to be involved in a whole bunch of other people's drama. But, but it's complicated. It's complicated. It actually defines a lot of the relationships that we're in today. Uh, it, it defines our marriage relationship. It definitely defines uh, our dating relationships, our relationship with our kids, uh, relationships with others in the workplace. And, and here's the thing about those relationships that, are, that we've defined as complicated. God has a lot to say about them. And the truth is, is, is that relationships are only complicated when we choose to do them our way, when we reject God's way of doing things, complication steps in. And I'm excited to share this uh, particular series. And today, uh, we're gonna jump into it. I'm gonna give a warning up front because today's gonna be a little bit at PG-13. We're gonna talk a little bit about sexuality. So do, 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 do. there's your warning, all right? So let's just start off with this quick, quick thought from C.S. Lewis. He says that human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God, which will make him happy. And I think that that is absolutely true, specifically in our relationships. It happens so often that, that God, the very creator of all things, the guy who ought to know best for us, the guy who actually does know best for us, the one who created us also has a best in mind for us, a plan for us. We come along, we bypass his ways, and, and, and we do so in an effort to look for something that is better for us. And the truth is we're never, ever going to have better or even best without including God in how we go about doing things. That means doing things his way. Fact of the matter is, is I'm not really interested if you disagree with me today. The truth is, is that you will be back because you'll never find that best or that better that you're looking for 
until you include God. So here's our theme verse for this series, and it defines really easily uh, our complications and why we have them. It's from Romans verse, or chapter 1, verse 21 through 25. It says this, They knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. So what he's talking about, Paul's writing to the church in Rome, and he's talking about they knew God. They came to church on Sunday. That's our first and foremost. That's our priority for you. That's God's priority for you, just for you to know him. And, and these guys knew him. And a lot of us, we know God, but, but, but they wouldn't worship him. And that doesn't mean that they wouldn't lift their hands and sing songs to him. What, what worship means is, if I could say it this way, is worth-ship. In other words, they wouldn't put God in his proper place in their relationships. They wouldn't put God in his proper place in their lives. They, they wouldn't give him priority. They wouldn't give his ways preference. They, they wouldn't even, it says, go on, it goes on to say, wouldn't even give him thanks. And what happened as a result, it says, and they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise or claiming to be progressive or woke, as we call it today. They instead became utter fools. So instead of putting God where he belongs, in his proper place, in his proper authority, in his proper position in their lives, they began to think up all kinds of ways. In other words, what they did was they projected the God that they wanted, or basically their own desires, onto who God was. And they began to worship an image of God or an idea of God, or really themselves. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. And they traded the truth about God for a lie. So that's what we're going to do in this series. I'm going to take some, some time and some effort to expose some of the, the lies of the devil with the truth that you need to hear. Because when it comes to our relationship with Satan, you know, a lot of people think Satan has authority or power over you, and he doesn't. The fact of the matter is the only power Satan has is his flapping tongue. That means that he has the ability to suggest some things, to drop some ideas into your heart and your mind. And if you choose to embrace those lies, those suggestions, then you wind up pulling in to complication station, y'all. That's why it's important that as believers, that as we know God, we need to know his truth because his truth will set us free from the lies of the devil. That's his only power. So we need to know some truth. So I'm going to tell some truth here in this series. And our working idea for this whole series is simply this. If you're taking notes, write this down. In order for relationships to work, we have to let the one who designed them define them. I'm going to say it again because that was so good and it was so important. In order for relationships to work, we need to let the one who designed them define them. What, what I'm saying is, is we have to make a decision, make a choice and a determination that for us, it's God's word and nothing else. That the creator of the created being, that's, he's the creator, we are the created being, that he gets to say what's best for us because he knows best. Can I get an amen over here in the comment section? Don't leave me hanging out here on our own, on my own, all right? So today we are going to look at the, the subject of sexuality. And the reason why I want to talk about this is because the world's not afraid to talk about it. In fact, I think even that the church has been too silent about it 
for too long. And now, now don't fear or fret. It's not, my conversation is not going to be risque. It's going to be orderly, but sex is an important topic. And it's important that we talk about it in church. You know, I grew up in, in a church where, where sex was not discussed, or if it was talked about, it was always talked about in a negative context. Specifically when I was growing up, there was a whole bunch of thou shalt nots. And it was probably done that way to try to scare me about sex. Like, oh, it was gross or it's bad. And you're supposed to wait until you get married to enjoy it with someone. It's like, well, if it's bad and gross, why would I, why would I want to wait until I'm married to enjoy that with someone? Right. But the thing is, is that while there, there are some thou shalt nots, there's some parameters. In scriptures, there's a whole bunch of thou shouts regarding sex in the Bible. And when you look at those verses, you'll find, man, that sex is good. It's very good. In fact, God created it that way. You know, it's not like, like God was, was walking through the garden after he created Adam and Eve. And he comes upon them and, and the, finds them rolling in the bushes. And he goes, oh my me, what are you two doing? It's not like he was surprised by what they were doing. God created sex. And it was good. So we're going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about it through the lens of the very first relationship, the, actually the very first sexual relationship between two human beings ever that ever existed in the Bible. And you're going to, we're going to see that by Genesis chapter three, they had already uh, complicated it. So uh, here's where we pick up our story. We're in the Garden of Eden, which by the way, the word Eden means pleasure or delight. And, and Adam and Eve were walking in the garden, the first man and first woman ever created. And they were enjoying everything that God had created for him. He put them there to enjoy everything. In fact, they, they were enjoying every pleasure that the human body or the human experience allowed up until that time, until the lies of the devil came along and interrupted all that. And that's where we pick up chapter three. So Genesis chapter three, verses one through seven says this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say, so this is, this is the first lie, by the way, he says, you must not eat from any tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but but God did say, you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you'll die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. That's lie number two. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Which, by the way, as Eve is listening to this, this doesn't sound like a bad idea. She loves God. She walks daily with God. To be like him is a desirable thing. And it says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked, which by the way, they'd been naked the entire time. Now they were just feeling the shame of their nakedness. And it says, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then what did they do? Well, because they were feeling the shame of their nakedness, they ran from God and they hid from his presence. But God, who knew already knew what was going on, didn't come at him and run at him and say, what did you do? You're such a mess up. You're such a mistake. He didn't, he didn't condemn them. He came calling after them in pursuit of them, looking for uh, that relationship. And today, you know, as we talk about what we're going to talk about, you may feel shame. And you may feel tempted to hide, but I need you to know today that God is not mad at you. In fact, God is looking for you. That's why this church is here. 
We're here to reach people that are far from God for whatever reason that they feel far from God. We are here to let you know that God loves you, we love you, and we don't want you to feel condemned today regardless of what you've done. So in Genesis chapter three, that section of verses we just looked at, you're gonna see that the devil comes along and he tells five lies, which for us, when he tells them to us, if we believe them and follow them, become five steps to complication station, all right? So step one uh, is simply this. The devil came along and he tried to get us to question God's word. He gets us to question God's word by by planting a thought in our in our hearts and our minds saying God's word isn't totally true. In other words that maybe it's not true today or maybe that it's not relevant to us today, like it's not meaningful for us or or that it's not reliable. That that some of it's true but not all of it's true because it doesn't speak into all of our context. Like like and and I got to be honest, I'll tell you we we feel this most when we tend to come across verses that we disagree with. Uh, I, I don't know if you've ever experienced that or not. Maybe you've read a verse in the Bible and you're just like, ooh, I don't, I don't really feel that. Like, that's not, that's not the way I live my life. That's not what I really believe. And, and we find that this tension exists. As your pastor, I'm telling you, there are plenty of things <clears throat> in Scripture that as I read them, it makes me uncomfortable and I wrestle with it. I struggle with it. Like, like when the scripture tells us to, to love others, uh, sometimes that's really hard to do. Some people are just really hard to love if we're being honest. To, to give, sometimes it's really difficult to give when, when things are uncertain on the other side, when you have a scarcity mentality or, or even just to obey. Sometimes we don't understand what it is or why it is that God is asking us to do something. We struggle with it. And God's word will come along and it will challenge us and it will confront us and it'll call us to a place where we currently are not. And in that dilemma, the question is, do we take God's word and move it to match us? Or do we raise ourselves to meet God's level and God's standards? Because here's what happens. If we lower God's word down to our standards and our way of life and we compromise and say, well, it doesn't really mean that. It's not really try, It's not really talking to me. It's not really saying that. Then what happens is when we lower God's standard to what we desire, then things get worse for us, not better. But if we raise to his standards, so if his standards are here and we find that tension exists, we raise to his standards then our lives will be better. Take a look at it in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. It says, we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Now, this is Paul speaking to a church at Thessalonica. He is so excited that, that, that when they came along and they preached God's word to him, they, re- they accepted it. But the reason he's excited that they accepted it is because they didn't accept it as the word of men. That they didn't say, well, this is Paul's standard. It says that they actually, they accepted it as it actually is the word of God, which by the way, when you accept it, when you believe it, here's the benefit of it. It says it's, which is at work in you who believes. So when we raise ourselves to God's standard, what happens is God adds his power to our lives and he begins to uncomplicate things in our lives. God's word works y'all, but it only works if we accept it and believe it as if it truly is his word. And if it confronts you, 
By the way, you need to know it's supposed to. Tim Keller, who is a pastor uh, and author, he's one of my one of my favorites. I love to read uh, read his books. He said, "If your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself." And I think that's true. That that if God's word isn't God's word, and we take that first step and believe that it isn't true, then it's really easy to take the next step that the devil has for us. Because we've made ourselves God and not him. And step two is simply this. The devil scoffs at the negative consequences of sin. In other words, he tells you that that, that thing that you want to do, that, thing, that area where you disagree with God, that, that choice isn't going to hurt anybody. That's not going to hurt anything. It's just a little sex. It's just a little fun. You're not hurting anyone. You're not hurting anything. It's, it's my body. It's my choice. Or, or we say, well, it's just a little porn. No one has to know. No one's being hurt by this. And those are the greatest lies ever told. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. And here's the thing. When it comes to relationships, specifically our sexuality, I don't need to convince you of this. Sex complicates everything. Life will show you that this is true. If you wander away from God's truth, you'll discover the pain of it. If you don't want that pain, then, then what you need to do is accept God's parameters for it. Let me give you an example like this. I know I've shared this, to you, shared this with you before, but I, I love sitting around a campfire. Anybody out there, share in the comment section. I love sitting around a campfire. Maybe share what, what is the, your favorite thing to do around a campfire. I'm sure for some of you, you're just going to say it's, it's eating s'mores. But I love to sit out with a guitar and just sing around a campfire. I think there's just very few things that are as peaceful as just gathering around a warm fire with friends and family and just enjoying that time. But here's the thing. If I were to take that fire outside of the safety of the fire circle, the ring that that is that I built out of stone and sand and, and put it safely in, if I were to take that fire and I were to bring it into your home, like just bring some logs right into the middle of your living room floor, and I were to spray it with some lighter fluid and light it on fire in the middle of your living room, everybody in your house would be making for the door. Why? Because while a fire is a nice thing, and it's, or maybe we'd say it's the right thing, at the wrong place, it produces bad results. That a fire outside of its proper containment will destroy everything in your life. It'll destroy your home, it'll destroy your family, it could kill your pets. Like, I mean, like fire, unbridled and uncontained, can destroy everything in your life. And the passions that you have in your life, specifically around your sexuality, need parameters. Those passions unbridled, those passions which are a right thing, but in the wrong place will lead to bad results in your life. Passions need parameters. Sex is something God created and he wants you and desires for you to enjoy it to the fullest, but he wants you to follow the parameters that he has laid out for it. And I'm just gonna tell you, biblically, God's parameters for sexuality is one man, one woman in marriage. Step three, the devil comes along and he now, if we've, we've gone, taken step one and we've taken step two, uh, we've come to believe that God's word isn't totally true. We've come to believe that that, um, that choice won't hurt anything then step three is easy to take because the devil is now going to accuse God of evil intent. 
That's what happens here. In other words, he's going to tell you something like, you know, being a Christian is boring. Righteousness, right living is boring. Sin is fun. And you know what? He's not wrong. The Bible tells us that sin is fun for a season. It's going to be a really short season because things will turn bad quickly. In fact, if you're being honest with yourself and honest with the people in the room with you, you would agree. We all know that, that sin is fun for a very, very short season. But the truth is, is that God's ways are not boring. They lead to life and they are fun. I'm telling you, they're great. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. He doesn't say that there's just a little bit of joy. He doesn't just say that there's a little bit of partying, that there's a little bit of dancing, that there's a little bit of fun. It says the fullness of joy. It's like, unless you've experienced it within the context of the way that God has designed it, then you have never experienced the full joy that is available to you. In fact, it goes on to say, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I love that. If you want to experience sexual pleasure and intimacy, my friend, try it God's way. Because I'm going to tell you, the best sex you ever had is on the other side of trusting God. Now, I, I understand there's some pushback to those kind of statements because we feel like, well, God is mean. You know, God just doesn't want me to have any fun. And, and we say, well, if I was God, then I'd let you be anyone you want and do anything you want to with anyone you wanted to. As if those people saying those things they know how to love people better than God knows how to love them. But I think the most loving thing that God can do is to call us out of our sin. See, God is not just correcting us. He's calling us to a better life. Step four, the devil advertises sin as beneficial. He starts telling you, you know, your life is going to be better with you leading it, with you in charge, right? Like that, that actually doing it opposite of God's way is better for you. It's not just fun. It'll be better with you leading it. It starts with this attitude of, I know best. It, it comes across as, as you being told that you can trust your feelings. Well, however you feel, however you feel, that's what you need to trust, but you cannot trust your feelings. We have to learn as Christ followers to follow our faith, not our feelings. Our feelings, and I've said this so many times, our feelings are, if you know it, finish it for me in the comment section, fickle. Our feelings are fickle. That means that feelings will come and go. Choices must lead and feelings will follow. Uh, you say, Aaron, but don't you need to have feelings for a person to be in relationship with them. Yes, but here's the thing. Feelings will change. You can ask anybody who's gotten married. The wedding day is a day that is full of amazing feelings. I remember the day that I married Shanda. The, the, the first time I saw her walking down the aisle, a shaft of light hit her and it was like the angels were singing and it was, oh, like it was just this amazing moment and all the feelings. I was ready to go, man. I was I was ready. And buddy, after we got in the car, we were headed to the reception. I was ready to go. But all those good feelings, a lot of them left at the reception. Because when we got to the reception, my wife, all of the guests that were there, because we did our wedding in Kentucky, and only a few of my friends and family members had showed up uh, for an out-of-town wedding. 
all of the people there were her friends and people, some people she hadn't seen in a long time. And so she left me. She went and talked to people for hours at the reception. Didn't even acknowledge that I was there. Good feelings were gone, y'all. Good feelings were gone. And on the time and the moment, like it could just take a few days or a few moments after the good feelings are gone, that you're going to need some choices to lead when the feelings aren't present. You not only need that in your relationships and in your sexuality, but you need that in your relationship with God. We need to live lives that are surrendered to the Lord, following him even when we don't feel like it. Even if simply because we decide I belong to him, not to myself. First Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 urges us exactly this. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Which by the way, the church building is not what holds the Holy Spirit. It's not the church. You are, your body is. Your body is where he resides. He says, the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God, you are not your own. Now he's talking about possession. He says, you are bought at a price. Therefore, because of whose you are, he says, therefore honor God with your bodies. Listen to me. I want to speak to the students. I want to speak to the young people, to the singles, to the divorcees, to those of you that are in dating relationships or want to be in dating relationships. You need to make a decision and you need to decide now whose you are, like who you belong to. And the, the second thing you need to decide is how far you're going to go with that young man or that young woman before you go out on a date or you spend time with them. Because let me tell you something, the moment to decide is not in the moment when the feelings or the passions are ignited. Feelings will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and charge you more than you want to pay. What you need to do is choose in advance, and you need to communicate that in advance, that this is where the line is for me and my sexuality, that I'm making a decision to follow Jesus and that I'm going to honor him. You need to decide this kind of stuff in advance. And, and when you think about the rest of your life, you do this in other areas of your life. You decide this about your finances and what, when you want to be able to retire. So you make some decisions about what you will spend and what you won't spend. You decide this in your career, what you will do and what you won't do, what job you'll take, what kind of education you're going to need. You make plans. You put disciplines in place. but you ha And you make choices along the way that trump those feelings so that you can have certain things in your life. But oddly enough, we don't do this in our relationships. We think nothing is ever going to matter, that we can go out and live it up and enjoy ourselves because if we don't do that, then it's gonna be worse later. If I don't sow my wild oats now, I'm gonna be tied down in marriage to just one person and that's gonna be a drag and that is a lie. It's absolutely a lie. We need to make sacrifices early on make decisions so that we can have the best later. This is called an investment. Giving up something now for something better later isn't a sacrifice, guys. It's an investment. So let's invest in our relationship. Let's invest in our future marriages and our future sex lives. Let's invest now and choose that we're gonna follow after God's best for our lives. Step five, Watch what the devil does. The devil uses sin to create shame that destroys our future relationships. Sadly today, this is many of us. This, this is many of us that 
even if you're in a marriage relationship, you still are experiencing shame that's destroying relationships. Some of you are single, some of you are divorced, and or, or some of you are, are, are married or whatever your status is. And however, it's complicated. It's complicated by this. That if you've taken step five, you've wound up in a place where you believe it's too late. And as a result, you run and hide. And some of you feel that shame and you think God is disgusted with you, but I'm here to tell you that he's not. God loves you. In fact, he's looking for you. That's why I'm here today to share this message, to know that, that, so that you know that God is looking for you. He's not angry at you. He, it's not too late. In fact, Psalm 34, 5 tells us about what happens when we turn to him. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. This is who God is, guys. You know, when you mess up, God still receives you. And I understand that maybe some of you have been hurt along the way by churches that have come along and drawn distinction lines where they've said that, you know, some sins are worse than others and maybe the particular way that you've sinned or maybe maybe your promiscuity or that one person that you slept with or made a decision to do something with, maybe they made it worse than, than sins that they commit. But this is one of the greatest lies that some sins are worse than the others. There are no sins that are worse than the others. And I long to be the pastor of a church and to be part of a church that chooses to love like God does. A church that creates space for open and honest dialogue where without shame, we can confess. We can do what James 5, 16 tells us to do, to confess our faults and our sins one to another so that we can pray for one another and be healed so that that shame that we've been carrying, we can cast it off. This is why I love our grow groups that are starting this week. Our grow groups are so powerful because we have that kind of space. And my hope is, is that, that this week, as you begin a group, as you get connected, you don't have to tell everybody in the group, but you need to find somebody in the group. And my heart is, is that when you share your scars, that when you share your pain, and my hope and my prayer is that the person you share it with, they're not going to judge you. They're not going to condemn you. What they're going to do is look at you and say, thanks for telling me that. Here's my scars too. Here's my, here's my pain too. Here's where I went wrong. And here's how God has helped me in my life. We need to be loving and accepting because you know what? The world accepts sinners no matter what. Now we don't need to approve of what somebody is doing, but, but we can't let them know that they belong and that we accept them no matter what. That's what God does. We need to give them a place to share their scars. And, and then in turn, we show them ours. Amen, everybody? That's my hope for this season in, in, in our grow groups. But, but it's not too late. You're not too far gone. You don't need to run and hide. Now, here's the thing. As I wrap up this message, I know there's a few ways that people are going to respond today. And some of the ways that, that people are going to choose to respond to a message like this is in defensiveness. Say, so, well, who are you to tell me, you preacher? You don't get to tell me how to live my life. I can be anything that I want. I can sleep with anybody that I want. I can do anything that I want to with my body. It's mine. And you're right. You can be anything that you want. You can do whatever you want, sleep with anyone that you want. But here's what I'm confident in is that, is that you'll be back because... I know that there's a longing for you within you 
and a desire within you for that which is best for you. And that which is best for you is um, God's ways because he created you. And honestly, this defensiveness, this, this I will do this because I can, and I, I will, I will, these, these kind of statements of, of, of I'm in charge and it's all about me. This is really, honestly, if you'd be willing and open to hear this is really the spirit of the devil. This is, this is, this is why he fell. When we look in scripture, we see that he fell because of his pride and there were statements he was making. I will do this. It was about him. It was about his desires. It was about <clears throat> his way. And I would encourage you to take on the spirit of Jesus, to, to humble yourself and know that your ways are not the best ways. Because even Jesus praying in the garden of Gethsemane, just before he went to the cross, he revealed he did not want to go to the cross. He's praying to his father in heaven. And he's like, listen, this is not what I want. If, if we can find another way, please let there be another way. But he says in Luke 22, verse 42, he says, not my will, but yours be done. As your pastor, I have to tell you, I pray these prayers too. There are things that I want. There are things going on in my life that, that I'm like, God, I'd rather not be this way. I'd rather not go through this pain. I'd rather not deal with this, this situation. I'd rather do this my way. But that your will be done and not mine. This is, this is a powerful prayer. And it's a spirit that I would encourage you to take on. It's the spirit of Christ. Second way you might respond to this is, is with remorse. But that remorse is not anything that leads to change. That remorse is something you feel and you're like, well, I'm just used goods, Aaron. I'm too far gone. Or I've had too much blank and you fill in that blank there. But you know what that is? That's from the enemy and it's called condemnation. He wants you to feel that. He wants you to feel the despair. He wants you to feel the loss of hope. And it's a lie. In fact, the Bible tells us this, that in Romans 8, verse 1 through 2, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. See, Jesus didn't come to this earth to point out your sin. He didn't come to this earth to tell you what a terrible person you are. That's not his role. Jesus didn't come to do that. He came because he loved you. He came because he wanted you to experience freedom from your sin. And if there is any pointing of it out, it's to let you know you can be freed from it. In fact, there's a beautiful story in John chapter eight. It's a woman that is caught in adultery, like in the middle of her, her passion and, and uh, letting her passion run without parameters, her sin. And the religious leaders, the pastors of the day, threw her in front of Jesus, likely naked. And they were all there to condemn her to death because their law said that, that they could stone her and kill her. And Jesus didn't condemn her. He said, whoever's, whoever's doesn't have any sin in their life, pick up the stone and throw it. And all of them left. And he looked at the woman and said, where have all your accusers gone? She said, they've all left, Lord. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. But what he did do was he called her to leave a life of sin. He didn't tell her to, to say she was sorry a certain number of times. He didn't tell her to grovel at his feet. He didn't tell her to get counseling. He didn't say, you've got to go through this program and say five times a day this phrase or, or, and so that you can be clean and do so many gestures and Hail Marys and put this much in the offering plate. He didn't do any of that. He just said, you can, you can have better. Called her to go and to sin no more. 
And, and, and we, need to, we need to learn to do this. In fact, we can learn to live a life free from the sin that is holding us down. In fact, the rest of that verse says, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. If you want to be freed from that, I'm going to tell you, this is the, the, one of the very few groups that I promote on a regular basis here at Simple Church, and it's the Freedom Group. And um, I'm going to tell you, Freedom Group is open and available to you. It's being led by uh, some of the most genuine and precious people that I've had the honor to meet uh, in the last year, a couple years, uh, Ken and Michelle Hogan. And I would encourage you, everybody that attends our church needs to go through the Freedom Curriculum, the Freedom Group, at least once. And if anybody that is following along today in the comment section would share, amen, you need to be in the freedom group if you haven't gone through it. Um, that'd be the greatest testament uh, to you is to hear these amens from these groups because, or from the people that have gone through this group. You can learn to live free from the, from the power of that sin that has been producing death in your life, death in your relationships, death in your sexuality, the, the things that have been condemning you and shaming you, you can find freedom from it. Join, join that group. It's, it's still open and available. Starts this week. So you can respond to this message defensively or, or remorsefully, or you can respond with the one that leads to life. And that's, that's with the most positive word in the Bible. And that word is repentance. Repentance just means to turn around. But I would say it's less just about turning and more about what you're turning towards, that you're turning towards God's ways. The truth for us is, is that, that, uh, that there is truth for our relationships, specifically for our sexuality. And it's all found in God's word, and we need to turn towards it. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Because worldly sorrow makes you feel remorseful about it, you feel sad, but it doesn't lead you to change. There is, and if you don't change, if you don't turn towards God's way of doing things, there will be death, not just a physical death. All of us are appointed a time to die, but we're talking about emotional death, relational death, death of your relationships, maybe even your marriage. There's death that is coming. And if you don't choose this, things will remain complicated. Let me give you one last thought before we close for the day. Repentance is a moment of pain, but being unrepentant is a lifetime of pain. Church, friends, let 2021 be your year where you decide God's ways are best and you'll find his ways lead to an uncomplicated relationship. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how it is convicting and yet hopeful. Thank you, Father, that I know that your word leads to a better life that you have promised for us. Today, give us courage to take steps towards your truth. Father, I pray that, that as we step into our grow groups that start this week, that you would uh, give us the courage to be honest, the courage to be open, that as we are and we share where, where we've been struggling, that we will find healing from doing things our own way. Help us to know your truth, Father, and to be set free. Now, for those of you that are here today, we're just going to continue in this moment of praying. You find yourself far from God. Maybe you, you're somebody who's been defensive, 
Or maybe you're somebody who's, who has felt remorse, but you've been carrying a shame of the, the mistakes that you've made in your life, whether that's in your sexuality, in your relationships, in your attitudes, in your heart, in every area of your life. You may be carrying some shame about decisions you made, mistakes you've made, choices that have led you down certain paths. And as a result, you're carrying that shame and you're hiding from God. And I need you to know that God is not mad at you. He's very passionate about you. He loves you so much. In fact, God showed us how much he loved us, all of humanity, by sending his son Jesus to live on this earth, to live for 30 years before he began even doing ministry, just being human, understanding our experience from our perspective. That's how much he loved us. And then Jesus gave his life, like he said in the garden, I don't wanna die, but I will, because I love him that much, God, and I know you love him too, so let your will be done and not mine. And so Jesus laid down his perfect and sinless life in exchange for our sin, in exchange for our mistakes. And he was brutally murdered on the cross He died and rose from the dead three days later later by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that power that rose Christ from the dead is available to you to make you brand new as well. To breathe life back in to your life that has likely felt so dead as you are far from God. Today, the way you receive that spirit, the way you receive that renewing is through a relationship with Christ. Placing your faith in him saying, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. And I want forgiveness I wanna be made brand new. I wanna live the life that that you have for me. And that means that I'm gonna follow your ways. I'm gonna choose to follow your ways and know that they are best. So if you're ready to do that, there's a way that you can signify that if you're following along on our campus or if you're in Facebook um, watching along or even on YouTube, there's a a comment, uh, or excuse me, a connect card, a link for a connect card. You can click that button and fill it out and say, I'm making the decision today. If you're in our online campus, there's a way just to raise your hand digitally. It just signifies to people there's, there's somebody here raising their hand today. So if you're raising your hand and saying, that's me, I'm ready. I'm ready to have a relationship with Jesus. Click that button. Make sure you fill out that connect card. But more importantly, pray this, this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. <clears throat> Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Show me how to live for you. And teach me how to tell others about you. Fill me with your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. The Bible says that heaven is having a party celebrating this decision that you've made today. And as a church, we are celebrating with you as well. Again, we ask you to make the second best decision that you've made today. First best is saying yes to Jesus. Second best is deciding to be committed and connected to a church. If you'll fill out that connect card, we'll help you understand your next steps as a believer and as a Christ follower. And we would love to be your church. We would love to help you understand your next steps because you're not meant to do this alone. Amen, everybody. We're ready to have you uh, be part of our family. So make sure you click the connect card link and fill that out. Say, I said yes to Jesus. Now, as we wrap up today, um, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to give. We thank you so much for your faithfulness. And uh, there are ways to do that here on the screen. You can give uh, digital ways. If you're a guest with us, you're under no obligation to give. We're really just glad that you're here with us. But 
Uh, one of the things that we know is that as we are in a loving relationship with God, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And there are many of you that God has spoken to your heart to give, to tithe, and uh, to be faithful in that. And the, all the ways to do that are here on the screen. We thank you so much. It's helping us make a bigger difference than even you can know, specifically during this, this time and this pandemic. So we love you guys. Thank you so much. Make sure you come back with us next week. Uh, as we continue on week two of our relationship series. Also share this message. You never know who ha needs an opportunity to hear an encouraging message like this on your social media. Uh, and uh, so anyways, love you guys. We'll see you right back here next week. God bless you.